Okay, great to be singing and praising and praying to God and listening to His Word being read and the proclamation of it. And we thank the Lord that we have this time, special time to get in to see what He has for us, to see what He has for all the world. He has truth. And uh, when one thinks of the Bible as a whole, you think about the purpose of God, don't you? That's really what it's about. It's not about me, not about us. It's about God and His purpose, His will. And uh, the program of God we know succeeds because there is an unseen Father. There is the Son who was in, incarnate. In flesh, and then the power of the Holy Spirit. Now that's the triune God. And it's all His purpose. Now, this is the perfect program that anyone could ever have. There is another program, another agenda that Satan has. And what he does is he counterfeits God's purpose and plan. And he even makes it look like it a lot. He resembles God's plan in some forms. And uh, He has a purpose. He has an agenda. Just like God is a holy trinity, there is a satanic trinity, an unholy trinity, where you have a triumvirate of the unseen dragon, and then you have, it's almost like Satan incarnate, even though he is a man, there's a man that will be coming on earth that is known as the Antichrist, so he comes as that individual, and then the, this is all under the power of the false prophet, which we would uh, compare to, in a way, the Holy Spirit. So those three make up the challenge to God's program. It's not really a challenge. God is in control of all of this. But I will tell you that we are living in a time that's called the mystery of godliness. Throughout all of mankind's history, we know, and really it's eternity, you have the mystery of godliness as mentioned in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And also we know that there is the mystery of lawlessness, which is found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. There will be a man of lawlessness. And there is a mystery of lawlessness that's been going on since time immemorial. It's all throughout past eternity, if we can put it that way. And this mystery of lawlessness, of course, is sin. And it keeps going and going throughout the decades, throughout the centuries, Till one day it'll reach its culmination. It'll reach the very top. The heap. The mountaintop of sin will be seen at this time that we're talking about where the mystery of lawlessness is revealed and it's through the person of Antichrist and also with his helper, the false prophet. So on one hand we have the genuine and on the other hand, you have the counterfeit. Which one do you want? It's obvious. We as Christians are based upon truth. We want truth. We want what is genuine. Why would anybody want anything less than genuine? They accept the counterfeit. If you know truth, if you know Christ, then you are on the right road. Because He is the way. He is the truth. But there is the counterfeit that looks similar, at least to some people, many people, most people. And it's related to the origin of sin. And that whole mystery, it goes back to the time of Lucifer and his fall that he had, as you see in Isaiah 14. And in that fall, we see where sin started and then He brought that sin to earth and that's where you have the deceiving. 
and uh, of mankind. It's Adam and Eve, and then for the rest of mankind's history, that's the problem with the world. Anything that's wrong, it's really sin that did that. Uh, in Isaiah 14, verse 12 and 13 and 14, Isaiah the prophet writes, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, or O shining one, O Lucifer, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you have weakened the nations, but you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven, I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Because of that, and what he really thought about God, he's kicked out of heaven, at least in the sense that he had before. Even though he has had access to the throne ever since, one day will be kicked out forever. But we see in this text in Isaiah 14 that he wants to be like God. And so, that is the problem with everyone. They want to be like God. They want to be the God of their selves. They want to call their own shots. They do not want to acknowledge God as the Creator, as the God of providence, as the one who is sovereign and in control. The one who does not want people to sin. He desires that not. But we see here, like Satan, mankind wants to do their own plan. And that's the problem, isn't it? That's called sin because we are always short of the glory. Well, I, I will tell you that Satan will have his day where he finally gets worshipped in the way that he wants. He wanted to be like the Most High with people falling down before him saying that he is God. And he will get that through a man. That's what we looked at last week in chapter 13, the first ten verses. That's called the Antichrist. Satan will do this precisely through him, and there will be an image of himself, of, of Antichrist, for all men to worship him. All on earth are to worship him. That's the final manifestation of this mystery of lawlessness, as that will show outwardly and be revealed like it's never been before. And, like I say, most people on earth will be misled. There will be a false prophet that will help the Antichrist. False prophet gives the power and gives the worship to Antichrist. The false prophet does that. Just like the Holy Spirit to us is to help us glorify Christ. That's why the Holy Spirit is there to bring all attention to the person of Christ, even though the Holy Spirit is equal. He is God Himself. But that's the role that He plays. So we're going to be looking at the second beast today. We looked at the first beast last week, the Antichrist. This one is called the False Prophet, another beast. And he's going to lead the world into an international world religion worshiping the Antichrist, the one world religion, along with the one world government that we looked at last week. The Antichrist sets up the one world government. Now the, the false prophet is doing his thing and he's religious. Not so much in the political realm, but he is emphasizing religion and worship, pointing ultimately to the Antichrist. This Antichrist will be the greatest, most persuasive, the most powerful, the most moving, the most convincing communicator that this world has ever known. And it is going to be espousing evil and blasphemy out of his mouth as the time goes through these seven years. Satan is going to finish out with his greatest effort that he possibly can. And what the Lord allows 
And so we will see Satan at his highest point. And really that points to his lowest point. And so that's what we'll be looking at today as we will start at verse 11 of chapter 13 and go through the rest of the chapter emphasizing the second beast. So let's stand and honor God's Word and uh, let's, uh, let's read this. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb. And he spoke as a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And it deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, the small, the great, the rich and the poor, the free men and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us the truth of all of history, from all of the past that we need to know, from the fall of Lucifer to the fall of mankind, to the very hope of forgiveness and justification found at the cross, Jesus Christ. And we wait His return. In the meantime, mankind will be mankind. And whenever Satan is given the freedom to do what he wants to do, we know, Lord, that will be a time that has never been on this earth. And then that means also you will shortly come back. For if you didn't, we know that mankind would destroy this world. But you will not allow that to happen. This all is in your plan. Help us to understand a little bit further what your plan is in our worship of you today. And may we keep in mind it's all about Christ ultimately. And to show his enemy that is the opposite of him. We are so glad, Lord, for Jesus Christ, our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. We start off with the rise of the beast. And we see in 13, verse 11, then I saw, this is John, as he keeps reporting. Can you imagine how he had to be thinking and, and feeling at this time as of all the things he's seen so far? It's overwhelming. See something else. I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. What well, says he comes up out of the earth, this might be well a reference to coming from below. That's the, the point of this all. Anabino, he comes up from beneath. It's the idea. And so what are we saying? Well, he is a man. He's human, this uh, false prophet is. But it could be saying that he is controlled and indwelt and empowered and impelled by a demonic spirit that have come out of the earth from the abyss. And so Antichrist and the false prophet are inspired by Satan and demons. And that kind of power, that's what is going on here. 
controlled by demonic spirits in the way that they think and act. The Antichrist is quite a mystery, but also this false prophet is, it's amazing, all the power that he has. Now you'll notice that it says another. I saw another beast. The first beast was Antichrist. Now another beast, and the word for another there is alos, which means another of the same kind. If you went to buy, um, let's say, a Toyota, Toyota truck, like that red one out there, right, Michael? You used to have a, before this, you had a Toyota that was orange. It was a little bit newer, but the red one looks better. And it performs better, right? Well, it's a Toyota. It's got to, right? Okay, what am I talking about here? Well, when you got an, another Toyota that was more prettier, it was another of the same kind. It's still a Toyota. It's still a truck. It's a little bit different, but it's of the same kind. This beast is another of the same kind. He's like the Antichrist, only there's different things about his own personality and the roles that he does. But he has the same authority. He has power, just like Antichrist. It's because he's inspired by Satan fully. Like, kind of like Judas was. Only even worse. So the beast is a wild animal. A beast is Therion. He has two horns like a lamb. Maybe a ram? Ram's horns, you know. Now we're talking about another truck, aren't we? Of a different kind. <laughs> but no. This, uh, this lamb here has two horns. And for you who know about lambs, they actually do have little bitty horns. They're like, uh, I don't know what you, they sprout up like little bumps. Okay. Debbie, would that be correct to say? Yeah, they're really not really much though, are they, to speak of. They're, they're, would you say they're kind of harmless? Sheep are not fighting sheep, are they? So they don't go around attacking Maybe there's a slight defense there. I don't even know about that. I, I, I don't know. Anyway, he has two horns like lamb. Now, it's not talking about diadems. There's no crowns on him. But it could be talking about he is another wild beast sprouting his horns. He has power. But what it is, a lamb who speaks like a dragon... Now that's interesting, isn't it? There are two opposites there because you know how gentle lambs are. Well, a dragon is not gentle. So he will use his mouth being inspired by Satan himself. It's almost like Satan talking through him. It's a deceptive nature of the false prophet to come as a lamb. Because false teachers and false prophets are compared to what? Wolves in sheep's clothing. So he's a wolf, he's a dragon. But he appears like he's going to offer so much hope to the people. After they have gone through so much evil, wicked things. So he's deceptive, he's de uh, uh, seductive. And just like, you know, in the uh, Garden of Eden where you have uh, Eve there being seduced by Lucifer or Satan then, you know, the snake, the serpent, and did it in such beguiling ways. He didn't come in there strong and hard, you know, trying to deceive in that way. He deceives in a way that seems right. He does that all the time. He's done it to us all through our lives, hasn't he? So we're to expect here something very deceptive in this false prophet. He's going to have the, the kind of deceptions that Satan has always practiced. 
Satan's working through him. So, that's the idea. He will speak through the mouth. You know, when they said when Adolf Hitler spoke, that at first he would be talking just like he would normally talk. And in front of those massive crowds, all of a sudden he would get worked up and all of a sudden his voice changed. It no longer sound like the man Adolf Hitler. It was another voice that was working through him. And he deceived a whole nation, plus many more. It brought people into a world war. That's how powerful he was. I want to tell you, this false prophet and antichrist will make him look like a baby. Because what they will be doing is going to be something. People are going to be maimed and wounded and injured during all the fiery judgments that happened during the, uh, this tribulation. And, and we know that this false prophet is going to offer so much hope to these people. And they say, all you have to do, look what I'm going to do for you. All you have to do is worship Worship him. They're going to worship the Antichrist and he's going to talk them into it. All the world. So it says, And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and he spoke as a dragon. There's our verse 11. Now we go into verse 12 and uh, says, He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence exercises all the authority, exousia. All the power that the first beast, Antichrist, has, he has. This is an amazing man himself. Don't discount him. He is going to have smooth words. And he's going to have power and authority that people don't have. Uh, you know, the authority was given, and that word given keeps appearing in the first, well, in the first ten verses, that section that we talked about. The authority is given from Satan to do what he does. And this time, instead of given here, it says that he causes or makes. So you'll see that word cause. He will cause or He makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. Okay, he call, He's got that kind of authority to make people worship. Just like we're doing today, we're worshiping God. There's going to be a counterfeit worship that people do the same thing. They're going to be falling before Him. They're going to be calling Him God. They're going to be calling Him Savior. Calling the Messiah. And so, that's what a kind of authority that this second beast has. Causes him to worship. He represents false religion. That's what false religion is finally about. It's always been here. It started with Satan, didn't it? By the way, you know where all false religions come from? The doctrine of demons. So anything that's false, it came from Satan because he is the master counterfeiter. But that's the problem. He can only counterfeit. He cannot create. He cannot be creative. He takes the things of God and twists them. And that's what the false prophet here does as he twists what worship is all about. As I'm thinking about it, Christianity has been like the number one religion in the world for centuries. And we've all heard about the Muslims and their growth that they've had for, what, 1,300 years. They have continued to grow tremendously. And they have taken 60% of Europe. They are all over America. There used to be, I think, 25,000 people in America convert to Muslim religion uh, per year. 
and now I think it's advancing up to a hundred thousand a year. They build their mosques here in our nation, in our city. It's a false religion. Satan is the one who gave it to them. I tend to think the religion that finally comes down will be something like the Muslims. They have Sharia law, which they are establishing all throughout the world, trying to do it in some places in Michigan and other areas. We hear about that where they change the law. They change people's thinking of what real religion is about. And so they've made an influence like no other religion except Christianity, which changes hearts. If you don't go along with their religion, they make you or they'll kill you. And it'll be something like that, uh, in, in that format, and it could be like what that is. I know in their writings, um, they have one who's coming that we are looking at here as the beast, the antichrist, and the false prophet. They have this in their eschatology too. Only their beast or antichrist is Jesus. Who will come to them and then they also have a leader that uh, takes over. And it's a lot like what we have here in our book of Revelation, only it's flip-flopped. The Muslims have made a huge advancement. So that's a little view of what kind of religion that will be. And uh, I guess the Allah will be Antichrist as we know it, as explained here. And, uh, you know, that is kind of interesting to see. It, but that's been centuries. It could be more centuries before all of that develops. But I will tell you, it's made huge advancements in my lifetime. I know whenever I was a kid, I never heard anything about Muslim religion. I really didn't start hearing too much about it until the late 70s, where the, you know, the Jimmy Carter deal and the, the Middle East started coming into play and then uh, in the 90s, 80s and 90s it really took off from the Gulf War and such and we know a lot about that now. And it's all under the guise really of the Muslim theology. That's what Muslim theology really is about. There are a lot of Muslims who are not militant. They don't believe in being militant at all and they want peace and such. But the ones who are doing all of the, you know, causing disturbances all over the world, that is really what Muslim theology is about, if you just read their writings. And uh, so, just want to tell you how much that will come into play at that time. I always wondered, how could Muslim theology blend into Hinduism and Buddhism? And Christian science and Catholicism and Protestantism, how can they blend into all that? Probably would be more like everything else blends into that. Because they are the most militant of any religion ever. Now I'm not going to say that it's going to be called Muslim at that time. I don't know what the word is, but I can tell you. Satan has had a field day through this religion. People worship Allah. The one God. Yeah. Well, we know who Allah is. That is really the belief in its satanic worship. And so you see nothing of God's nature there. And they don't have hope that they offer. They just have scare tactics. That's what they use. So Satan is using that in a powerful, militant way. Well, this, this false prophet that comes in, whether he's Muslim or not, I don't know, but could very well be, he's going to be very intelligent how he's going to get all the religions and all the people together as one and worship the one true God, their God. So he's going to be coming alongside of Antichrist, the false prophet is, Having a worldwide influence, tremendous abilities, he will even make it look like this fatal wound <clears throat> that is that 
happens to the Antichrist, he will have something to do that. If you look back in verse 3, I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain and his fatal wound was healed. The whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. Well, when you have this false prophet coming in, we see that it speaks about him and miracles, signs that he does. But it's interesting to assume here that this is the craftiest deception ever. is a fake death and a fake resurrection. And it's going to be so believable. People will not be able to tell what is false and what is true. For one thing, Satan blinds them. Believers have the truth. Matter of fact, in 2 Thessalonians 2, the ones who do not love the truth will believe the lie. So here's the point of that one. The, lo the ones who do love the truth will not be deceived. Even in our lifetime, if we believe the truth, we cannot be deceived with what is going on politically, economically, most of all spiritually. Because we know that if it is not lining up with this Word of God, it's not true. It's false. That did not come from God. This is our book. And we believe every word of it. And we don't have to go on thinking, I wonder if that's right or not. I wonder if that, you know, this, this man is really powerful. He's doing miracles. He must be from God. So that is being introduced now to this second beast. Let's uh, go to verse 13. And this is the program of the beast, beast 13 through 17. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. The word is Samuel Megala. That means great signs. Mega. What do you think of when you hear mega, right? Tremendous. He is like the minister of religion in this worldwide government. He is the one overall. He's like a pope controlling it all, this religion. Some people have even said this could be the pope. And I don't know. Never know. Could be. We don't know, do we? But he's going to cause everybody to glorify the emperor, the first beast. Well, that's what the work of the Holy Spirit is, to glorify Jesus Christ. That is what he does. And so this false one glorifies the Antichrist. He leads in a universal worship all over the world, performing great wonders. And people see these things, they experience them, and surely he is true. He's right. thing is, they are lying wonders. We go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Speaking of the Antichrist there, this is what Paul wrote. Uh, the appearance of his coming, that is the one whose coming is in accordance, verse 9, the activity of Satan with all power and signs and false wonders. That's, of course, Antichrist has that. Uh, the second beast has this. And it says false wonders. They're not true. They're not real. Uh, but they will be amazing tricks. And you've heard of musicians, magicians, <laughs> magicians who play telenomas out there, those guys, those tricky musicians. The magicians who made like, like the, what? Uh, yeah, illusionist. They made, uh, let's say, um, the Eiffel Tower disappear. It's there and it's not there. I mean, you've seen that on TV and such, and there will be people that actually think that that happens, you know. 
course, it's all an illusion of pretty amazing tricks. And it is amazing the kind of technology that we have today, isn't it? How much more is it going to advance? That's a question. Mankind will always use technology for the good and for the bad. And usually instruments like this can be used for bad. Guns are a good thing. I'm thankful we have them. But you get them into the hands of wrong people, they use them wrongly. Does that mean you take guns away? No. But you certainly do something to those people that are doing that and killing people and killing themselves. We hear it in the news every day. You know, there's multiple mass killings and uh, police killing uh, criminals and, and uh, then criminals killing police, which you don't hear about. Anyway, it's, it's all, those are all false. A lot of those reports are, are built up out of nowhere. Uh, I'm not saying some of the last things are false, but it does give an illusion to people that things are happening that are really not. It's called the media, the power that they have. It says in verse 10, And with all the deception of wickedness, for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. If one does not love the Word of God and does not love the Word of Truth, uh, you better question yourself right now who you are in the faith. Because if you don't love God's truth, that's a mark that you're not a believer. Do you love God's Word? Either you love it or you don't. If you don't love the truth, then you how can you be saved, right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. They're already blinded by Satan. They're blind in themselves, first of all. Satan blinds them, and, and so now we, we see that in 2 Corinthians, don't we? Chapter 4, and then God sends them blindness. Sends on them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. I believe that's happening right now. I believe that's happened all throughout man's history where God has finally just just blinded them. Satan blinded them. They don't need to be blinded anymore, but it just shows that this is it. It's culminating. It's, it, this is as far as it's going to go for these people. So it's order that all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. That's the two kinds of people. Sinners who are not saved by grace because of the gospel that comes from the truth and sinners who are saved by grace who believe the truth and partake in the Word of God. True believers love to get with God's people and read His Word to sing His Word, to pray His Word, to preach the Word. That's what we love to do. Amen. So what's happening with people who don't do that? Same thing here happens. They finally get a deluding influence where God turns His back on them and they do, they, all those who do not believe God's truth, God will blind them and they take pleasure in that wickedness. That's interesting, isn't it? The love of the truth. I really like that. We love truth. That's a mark of a Christian. What's well, a Christian? They love God's Word. Well, this false prophet will make people love his Word. To not love God's truth, they believe the lie. Say, so how can people believe that there's not a Creator? Where did that come from? It's the most basic understanding that man has. Man is born with a mind that knows there is a Creator God. They have that already built in them. They can see creation out there and deny that. That's deny God's truth. And Romans 1 gives us the plan then there on out all the way till finally they give in to the deception of wickedness and they approve it and all of that is the 
homosexuality, LGBTQ, all of that stuff. That is the result of it all. It is like Sodom and Gomorrah. Folks, we live in filth in this nation. But we have truth. We have Christ. We have nothing to fear. But the world has always been a mess. It's sinful. Even when you take the beauty of the springtime, grass is growing, and you start sneezing, your eyes start watering, and you start feeling terrible every day physically. Zach, you know what I mean? And the trees and the pollen, and it's just beautiful. White flowers, pink flowers, red flowers. I mean, everything is just going crazy. And you see all that stuff on your windshield, and it's yellow, and it's pollen, and everything. And you just go, I love it, but, you know, I can't stand it. That's sin. But at the same time, it's the beauty of God and His creation. But do you see what sin taints with even the best? And this world, as beautiful as it is, and go out and you take a walk and go, Oh, Lord, this is a fantastic place you've created. And then the truth also comes to you that even though it's tainted, it's still your creation. But it makes an effect on the creation. It makes an effect on us. We caused that. Our sin caused that. And God lets it keep going and going. And this is why we have revelation. It's good news to us because it finally comes to a stop. And He has to pull out His belt. <laughs> if you remember that, did your dad ever pull out a belt? <laughs> Discipline, right? But to all those who did not believe him, they go to a place where the beast, the false prophet, Satan are at. All the ones who do believe get to be with him in eternity. He has to bring it to a close. That's why we're looking at Revelation. God says, here's what's going to happen. Don't stick our heads into the ground. Here's what it is. And you go, here's the good thing out of it. Christ's coming back. But there is a program that the beast has, the second beast. Do you remember about the two witnesses? Do you remember the kind of power that they had? Two witnesses had amazing ability to do things. Fire also comes out of their mouths and devours the enemies. Do you remember reading that earlier? They have the power to shut up the sky, had the power over waters to turn them into blood. They could smite the earth with every plague possible as often as they desired. That's the two witnesses. So you know what? There's power and there's authority. And so what we have here is this beast. Second beast has the power that Elijah had. Or something like that. Something resembles it. Remember, it's counterfeit. Um... Remember, yeah, at the end of verse 13, fire comes down out of heaven to the earth. Elijah had that. The two witnesses, when you read that, that section, have the, this power to do that. Do you remember in the Old Testament, it's like in Malachi, it says that um, uh, Elijah will be coming back before the dreadful day of the Lord, just before Christ comes back. The two witnesses, there's Elijah. Representing the prophets. Moses probably representing the law. And so, these, this triumvirate, is going to try to duplicate the same kind of miracles and signs that they have that are coming from heaven. They, in the supernatural world, Satan can do a lot of things. And he does do those. We don't want to get wrapped up in that kind of world, do we? But also, the technology that we have today, we cannot forget too, that it just keeps advancing. And it can fool people very easily. 
watching a show the other night, last night I guess, and uh, it was where you had one man who's quite a bit older in his 50s, and it took him back to whenever he was probably in his late 20s, 30s. And you know, in 20 years, a lot of things happen to your body. Well, it kind of showed what his body is now in a sense, but his face looked like he was 28. And you're going, wait a minute, something is not right. They went back in time and they did that. Now, I've seen when they've done that before down through the years, and you go, hey, I know, you know what... And you know what's happening here. There's, you know, they can do a lot of things. But now they're getting to the point of, you can't tell the difference. If you put one face on, on the body of another person, uh, it's like that person could die and you could make somebody just keep on going forever, couldn't you? Well, it's kind of interesting to see that, that kind of technology. But that's just TV, right? Well, I've got a feeling this counterfeiting is going to be incredible. He does have all this kind of power to fool these people and he's swaying the whole world and if there is a false resurrection and there's signs in the sky, they would probably have been con convinced by the two witnesses and say, well, they've got something there. That must be from God. And then they see this guy and say, no, no, no. Right here. Watch this. And by the way, that the fire coming down out of heaven the tenses that of that is he does it a lot. He does it constantly. It's not like he does it once or twice. You know, a little show, look at this, you know, and that's it. He does it a lot. And that that's kind of the one of the marks of his power and authority that he has. He's convincing them of his power and so there we have uh do you remember uh Moses? and Aaron, and going before the Pharaoh, and you see the power of God coming through as they show the Pharaoh, and, he, you know, and then he has his magicians, and they turn sticks into snakes, right? Not sure what's going on there, but sometimes the supernatural world can enter the natural world. When it does, it's rather uncomfortable, isn't it? Whatever it was, they were trying to match everything that Moses and Aaron were bringing. Well, that's what false prophet and Antichrist doing, I think, on even a bigger scale. Um, tremendous power. Now it says that he deceives those who dwell on the earth in verse 14. Many who are, well, those, those who are not taught the truth, the word of God, they are going to be deceived. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth all over the world. This tremendous power, miraculous components that he has. Maybe pyrotechniques that he's pulling off with maybe some supernatural things. Just constantly doing that. People are at a point where they're ready to believe anything. They will do anything, believe anything, if they are fooled like this. And they really don't have much anything to go on anymore. Along comes this false prophet pulling off his shenanigans. People just fall for this. They just go for it. They're convinced. And he's offering them hope. Why wouldn't they, right? Well, they've been blinded. All the ones who have, that are not the elect, the ones elected for the foundation of the world, all those whose names are written in heaven. The ones who are not written in heaven will believe this lie. I think it even goes for today, even though we don't have this happening right now. Could be setting it up, whatever. There comes a time when people will no longer believe the truth. They will fall for the lie. Biggest lies what I was talking about a while ago was the idea of creation versus evolution. Evolution is one of the biggest lies that's ever been told in our time. Uh, there was a book that came out in the Christian circles many years ago. I used to carry it at the store. It's called The Big Lie. Anybody ever heard of that one? It's about evolution. Do you see how all of that that entered into the schools, all the things that they teach, 
how a lot of it's good, reading, writing, arithmetic, and what do they bleed in there. This was back in my time, folks, when I was a kid. So it's just like you got to check everything out, whoever is teaching you or you're hearing, not even necessarily teaching. Check out what they're saying. If it's not coming from a believer, chances are somewhere along the line you're going to get something that's not right. So people are ready to believe anything. And then he does this at the right time. At the end of verse 14, he tells those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. He keeps mentioning that. The writer does here, John, who has the wound of the sword and has come to life. You know, that resurrection, whatever that is, I mean, that's the kingpin. That's going to get everybody. And this second beast says, Do you see that? Worship him. Worship him. And verse 15, and it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast. Look at this. So that the image of the beast would even speak. It causes many do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So what happens to the ones who don't worship the beast? You're killed. Or they'll be dragging you down. The idol can speak. That's amazing. Remember the holy place? Jesus talked about that in Matthew 24. The abomination of desolation. Daniel spoke about the abomination of desolation. John speaks about the abomination of desolation. And now you have the image of the beast that is speaking like a human. You've seen the robots and with all that technology now, right? And it's amazing what computers can do. And it just gets better and better, doesn't it? The image is speaking like he's a real person. Uh, notice the word there is, you might have the word breathe, uh, breath. It's given to him to give breath to the image of the beast. Uh, it's not zoe, like life, or bios, biological life. Uh, it's pneuma, or spirit. And what you have there, it looks like life. This image. Boy, Pharaoh's magicians, well, these guys really step it up a little bit more at this time. And people are desperate. And there are things at that time that are going to be very, very believable that uh, shouldn't be happening. I'm going to give animation to this statue that it literally appears to come to life. Anybody who doesn't have the mark will be killed. Anybody who doesn't worship Antichrist will be killed. But God also does His thing in chapter 16. Anybody who does have the mark, who does have the mark, is given some kind of malignant kind of disease. God retaliates even at that. The ones who don't have the mark, they'll be killed. The ones who do have the mark, a lot of them will have diseases and be killed too. Okay, we get into the mark of the beast. This could be a message on its own and uh, we'll just uh, take it from here. Uh, the image of the beast. So the image of the beast in verse 15 would even speak, cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. We saw that. Verse 16, and here it is again, and he causes all the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free man and the slaves, they're all alike, to be given a mark on the right hand or on their forehead, and he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him have his understanding. Catholic, the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. Uh, the mark of the beast in the ancient worlds, there were marks that were known of. Uh, slaves would have marks, uh, tattoos that they would put on them. 
They were branded just like animals would be. Also, soldiers would have marks put upon them. And, uh, of course, Paul in Galatians chapter 6, right at the end of uh, Galatians there, I bear on my body the brand of Jesus. Now, it's not that he has a tattoo or a, a, a branding iron that has been put on him. Probably much worse. It's the stripes that were put on his back and all the beatings and... You know, you can imagine the bruises, the scars that were on Paul physically because of him preaching the gospel. We know that happened several times, didn't it? And so he bore there of who he really was. He had a brand, his mark. So um, it shows that he has a particular master. He took it for Christ. So what do we have? Well, evidently the mark marked out the beast. What this is, we don't really precisely know. I'm not even going to make any conjectures. I know there are a ton of different alternatives and I'm not even going to take the time. The mark of the beast is some kind of a ration. A ration symbol, more than just a card, but you can say it's a ration card. In order to live, you have to have this. You have to be able to eat to drink, right? You have to be able to do those things to, to live. Those are most important. If you don't have a mark, you can't do it. You have one world power all over the globe. You have one economic operation all over the world. People are talking about that immensely these days, aren't they? It's all over Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. Sometimes you get canceled when you put in things you share that just happen to be going on that are absolute truths. <laughs> a mark identifies you as a part of the system. This particular mark does. It's put on the forehead or it's put on the hand. Somebody has said, if you put it on a forehead, you know, somebody could cut off your hand and you'd lose that mark. But if forehead, well, they cut off your head, you're dead, you don't need it anyway. So evidently there's two, uh, maybe a couple options. And uh, you can buy, you know, this will make people think real quickly, well, I don't want the mark, but I'm going to starve, my family's going to starve, I'm going to have to take it. People are putting pressure. People are getting trained right now in the time that we live in. And you know what, there's just a few people that were wanting to do these things. And, you know, regardless of what we think of the, you know, the handkerchiefs or any kind of things we put over our mouths and everything, you know, that's, maybe there's some truth to it. I, I will not make a lot of remarks on this. Uh, but I, I can tell you that I don't think it did a lot of good. Because I understand that 89% of the people who got it were wearing masks. So evidently it can get, I, I can sneeze and it can get out of the top of mine or down at the bottom, if you, if you may. Or uh, what, what am I saying this for? And I'm not saying don't wear masks. I'm not even saying do wear masks. You leave it up to your own. And I think that's where it should have been left all along. It's up to you. Once they start taking that, but it sounds like wisdom. The only thing is, the very one who came out a year ago is now saying it's a necessity and we might have to wear them the rest of our lives. You know, Fauci. But what did he originally say from the very outset? No, you don't want to wear those. Those are only meant for surgeons who... And you go, wow, what, what is he saying? You know, two sides out of his mouth. I don't know if I ever even heard him an apology out of that. Or saying, well, we know better now. I didn't even hear that. We've been hearing that kind of thing all along. I'm just saying, do you see how deceptive this? But most people have taken that. And I, I, this is one thing that I, I, I find fascinating. People will be driving up and down the street and they will have a mask on. Nobody in the car, it's just them. I see high school students, and we live uh, like a few blocks from J.C. High School, and these kids are like juniors, seniors in high school, and they're wearing masks by themselves, walking up the street. Nobody's around. 
And then I go to work and I see people driving up and they got their mask on in the car by themselves. And I'm going, what? They've become so accustomed to this. Either they don't know it's on, which I find hard to believe because I can't stand it. I can't breathe. I already have a breathing problem. Uh, but why am I going on this? And I, I didn't really ever want to even put that in a message. I'm just saying, and I'm not telling you don't or do. Maybe use wisdom. Maybe, maybe you ought to if you're going to offend somebody or they have rules there where you, you've got to wear them. I'm just saying, I'm amazed how many people have fallen into that trap. And it doesn't seem to bother them once, twice, three times, constantly. doesn't matter how much information you get on the other side. Uh, they have believed something that may or may not be so true always. Do you catch how I'm saying that? I, I know, I have to be really careful. And I am. I'm, but that's just one thing. And then we see where they keep people from going to places. And, and uh, you know, maybe the 4th of July, as our president says, maybe he'll let a few of us get out and uh, be a, as a family out in the backyard and eat a hot dog. Roast hot dogs. Where's he been at anyway? People have already been doing that for a year. Well, I get off that. I'm just saying, isn't it amazing how people can be sheep? Real quick, like. And it's amazing how many people will then turn on somebody they know real well and start telling on people, well, he doesn't have a mask. What do you have there? Well, that will make them in good with the system. And that's exactly what people will do. He doesn't have the mark. Hey, you got the mark yet? You better get the mark. Somebody reads this at that time. This warning is for this particular time when it happens. You got the mark? No, I'm not taking it. I read, I read in Revelation that you can't take that. If I do, that shows me that I am worshiping the Antichrist. What does that mean? So people will deny that. They will be killed for it. Or they will starve to death. Thirst to death. Uh, the mark we, we know for many, many years, it can be uh, like a credit card in your skin, only much more advanced than that. Uh, it can be very, very small, not ever bother you at all, not even know really that it's there. Uh, it's definitely, you know, you didn't have information on your credit card on the back there on that, uh, that black area. Necessary data uh, for the computer to know that you are in the system. Finally, it'll come to there and your own body, uh, forehead, hand. Uh, on, you know, in dogs, they have put identification marks, chips in them, so they would people would know where they came from, who, who this belongs to, what this dog is about, and such. And we know all that can happen. Well, it'd be something similar like that that's going to be put in to people. And it says here in the number 666 in the Greek or in the Hebrew or in Latin, Greek letters were numbers. Hebrew letters acted also as numbers. Latin uh, acted as numbers. You know, where you have the L or the V or uh, what, the C. So it wasn't common uh, back in the ancient times. It's a numerical equivalent. And so uh, this is going to add up 666. I'm not even going to try to calculate it. There's no need to. We're not living in that time right now. There is not an Antichrist. There is not a, a false prophet. We would know that. We as, we as Christians would know that. I'm, not, I'm just saying that um, there's a equivalent to, to this, and it's coming up short. Um, so this is all said to people at that time. He says, here's wisdom. So at that time, they can figure this out and calculate this. And 666, perfect number in Scripture for man. Perfect number, really, that is God is seven. Perfection, completeness, underlining six. Man was created on the sixth day. It's the number of man. Six work days. The name of the beast, the number of the name there. People are going to take the mark. 
if they're not Christ. And so the final form of man's government is this kind of world. And we know that our God is holy, holy, holy. And in their time, it'll be six, six, six. Man is always six, 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 short of perfection. And this man, the perfect man, falls short and will lead many to fall short. Folks, we have truth. We love the truth. Take this in. Realize that God is just telling us how much He's in control, but here's what's going to happen in the future without a doubt. And, you know, there are people out there that are falling prey to all the things that are going on and pray that you would get the opportunity to share your love of the truth so that they would love truth, so they would love God. Father, You are the only true God. You've given us truth this morning. Sometimes it's a little tough to swallow. But yet, we take it in. Because we need to know. We need to know that You're going to do away with sin. But You're going to let it go to its ultimate max. And then you will destroy it. For us who have trusted in you, you've already taken that sin away. You've declared us just. You've set us apart. We've been adopted into the very family of God. (coughs) And your truth is so valuable. There's nothing more important than truth when all is said and done your truth remains in Jesus name we pray Amen